Before I begin my message, I have a quick thought to share with any children who might be listening. You probably already heard the word Lent used several times today. That's because we're beginning a time called Lent that will lead us to Easter. When I was a kid, Lent wasn't really a big deal at my church. I heard about it a little bit, and I remember thinking it must have something to do with lentils. <laughs> and lentils weren't my favorite food. But it turns out Lent is not about lentils. It's not even about fish fry, which a lot of people eat during Lent. Lent is a time to think about us and God. That's pretty simple, isn't it? But also not because we are humans with our own arms and legs and brains and thoughts and feelings. And God is much bigger than that, maybe. God's not human, right? We worship God, we pray to God, but we can't see God, can we? And that's how we talk about faith. We believe in God, even though we can't see God. Maybe it's kind of like the wind. You can't see the wind, but you can see the leaves moving because of the wind, right? We can't see God, but we can feel God's love and peace in many different ways. Ways as unique as every single one of us. So if you have thoughts or questions about God, I'd love to hear them. And you can talk to me after the service or next time you see me, or you can, I'm sure you can talk to a trusted adult. Um, and if there are parts of my sermon that you aren't sure what I meant, or you have questions, come talk to me. I'd love to talk to you about it. I hope there are other parts of things I say up here that you will find interesting and helpful. All right, on to my message. And I will warn everyone, I start with something silly. You've tried praying it away. You've tried serving others. You've tried denying yourself things that bring you joy. You've tried reorienting yourself or refocusing, but nothing seems to get rid of that nagging feeling that you're just not enough. God wants you to do more, be more. You just need more godly goodness. Well, now you can feel even more guilty. Introducing Lent 2023, two millennia of Christian tradition stuffed into 40 days, all weighing down on your little pathetic human soul. I gave up chocolate for Lent and it lasted, well, three hours. I tried to take time every day for prayer. Sometimes it worked, but more often than not, my mind just drifted, and on a couple occasions, I might have fallen asleep. Uh, yeah, I was planning to give up something. Uh, what was it? I think I set the time limit on my phone for Snapchat. I was always ended up forget ignoring it, but I, but I did. I thought about it for the moment when I, the time limit sign popped up. I'm a terrible Christian.
Yes, you too can feel the debilitating shame that millions have felt, all thanks to the Lenten tradition. But wait! If you consider an unsustainable Lenten routine now, you'll get almost the full 2023 season to loathe your inability to just maintain a simple, faithful routine. And in the process, maybe even question your faith. Sure, some of the most physically penitential Lenten practices of decades, even centuries ago, are long gone. No self-flagellation or removing your teeth because you ate meat these days. But that doesn't mean you can't find your own 21st century way to feel terrible about yourself. I don't know. I've tried. But it's hard being a good Christian in today's world. And with all my other responsibilities and priorities to work and family, it's not easy finding time to work on my relationship with God outside of church. And then this time of year, I mean, it's been three years since the pandemic hit. I just kind of feel like I've been living through a perpetual Lent. And that's why the Lent 2023 brings you the perfect balance of self-loathing, spirit-crushing Lenten tradition, along with the extra baggage of the three-year anniversary of COVID-19. Feel bad about not having been there for others? Feel bad about getting together with friends? Feel bad about your feelings about getting together with others? The opportunities and ways to feel guilt and shame are endless as infinite as the heavens or the firing synapses in a human brain. So try Lent 2023 today and see just how awful a contrite spirit can be. Lent 2023 has nothing to do with God what, what wants for you. All aspects of Lent 2023 were created by humans to torture themselves and others because that's what we do. Lent 2023 was, has nothing to do with Christ and what Christ wants for you. Void where prohibited, which should be everywhere, but seems to be nowhere. Lent 2023, because deep down, you know you could be a better Christian. Uh, I went to Friday Fish Fry, and then I felt awful. Welcome to Lent, everybody. I started with the silly Lent 2023 infomercial because it seems like so often when people think about Lent, their mind goes to all the trappings and tradition around the season, and often there are personal experiences that aren't always positive. Everything I wrote in that infomercial was based on conversations I've had over the last two decades with people who felt bad about how they engaged this church season. And it saddens me to see people feeling bad because they couldn't meet their own expectations or, on more rare occasions, someone else's expectations for them. Look, if there are things you do during Lent that help you focus and bring you closer to God, wonderful bless you and bless those practices but if there are things that end up just being a stumbling block release it let it go i feel very strongly about this god cares about you the purpose of these activities are simply to help you feel closer to god do you think God cares whether you pray in a certain way or at a certain time or do a certain task? Probably not, and neither should you. Please realize that yes, Lent is a time to reflect and consider one's relationship and our relationship with God. And God's love and grace exist in this space, even before the cross. And to deny that love and grace can be as debilitating and limiting as to deny taking a hard look at oneself. So, now that we have that out of the way, I'm going to give you my pitch 
for why this Lent could be a great opportunity for you, for me, for us, for our journey to the cross and beyond. I told Rachel that what we really needed to kick off this Lenten season was some jock jams, music you'd hear at a sports arena, and a confetti cannon. Okay, maybe that sounds more like a fat Tuesday type situation than Lent, but I do think we need a reframing because it might be helpful after the past several years of our journey together. Because we're already in the wilderness, right? Doesn't it feel like we've been wandering in the COVID wilderness for three years? Maybe it's beginning to feel like a 40-year Lenten cycle instead of a 40 days. So why not embrace the metaphor? Directly after being baptized by John the Baptist, Christ was sent by the Spirit out into the wilderness for 40 days. And it's at the end of these 40 days that he is tempted in ways that parallel the Israelites wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. The Israelites complain about hunger and betray God's trust. Jesus recognizes a higher calling and remains faithful. The Israelites question if God is in their midst, actually with them. Jesus refuses to throw himself down and test God, recognizing that God is there. The Israelites worship idols. Jesus refuses to worship anyone but God. Christ refuses power over all the things in our human lives. Power over food, power over life and death, power over all other human powers. These temptations very much with us today. These temptations are the bedrock of empire. But back to us. We have been stumbling our way through the wilderness, and as much as we may aspire to be like Christ, we're probably much more like the Israelites. But whichever story you want to consider, we are in the wilderness, and it has challenged us. It has changed us. It has tested us. It has shaped us. Not unlike the title for today's worship, Shaped by Testing. The wilderness is beautiful and unknown and unclear and maybe a little scary. It's hard to know where you are, where you're going, what to trust, what to avoid. When our family lived in Kansas, I remember talking with a gentleman who had moved there over 40 years earlier. And I remember him looking me in the eye and saying, this is a hard place. <clears throat> this is a hard place. The wilderness is a hard place. And yet, yes, it's a place where things are hard, but also because of that, or in spite of that, things can be clarified. Without the distractions or the ease or what feels like a safe life, we can see more clearly who we are, what our gifts might be, what our quirks are, what our temptations are. All this was swirling around in my head this week as I listened to the congregational meeting from last Sunday. Thanks to all of you that participated in that. I'm sorry I couldn't be there. 
but I'm also really thankful for the opportunity it gave me to watch and listen later. There was something really special about watching the work of our church family with the distance of some time and space. Seeing Milwaukee Mennonite praying and listening and sharing and considering all together was beautiful. And it struck me as I watched this meeting and considered this text, maybe this is the way or one of the ways forward through the wilderness, listening and considering and sharing together in love and grace in ways that are God-filled, in ways that acknowledge God's presence with us, will bring us closer to God. And thus, what God has in store for us. And it is in this listening to each other, turning toward God, that will help guide us when we're tempted. Because we know we'll be tempted. It's part of being human. It's part of the journey. Christ was sent by the Spirit into the wilderness, and then he was tested. Temptation is part of the journey as it was for Christ, whether it's by power, prestige, or by what's easy. I read one theologian who, in commenting on this passage, pointed out that one of the easiest, biggest sins of the church is thinking it's God. And it's not. The church is beautiful and messy and very much human. We need each other on life's journey, but the church is not God. It's not all things to all people in the way that Christ is. But it can be so tempting to see people of faith with so much ability and think, well, we should be able to do X, Y, or Z. But after spending some time in the wilderness, I think it's pretty clear to all of us that we have limitations, right? There are only so many hours in the day. There are only so many different places that we can give of ourselves. We cannot be all things to all people like God can. We can't even be all things to each other. We can't even be all things to ourselves. We can also be tempted to do the opposite, to try to just keep whatever inherent power to ourselves and try to fortify ourselves against the trials and tribulations of the world. We can fear change and the energy change could take. We can fear becoming irrelevant or what that might lead to, death, the death of the church. About a year ago, I shared my experience with this kind of death of a faith community at the hands of our own denomination. So I have some inkling as to what this might mean or look like or how it might feel. And as heartbreaking as it is, and it is heartbreaking, it's also not the end of the world. Life goes on. God goes on. Wow, am I selling you on Lent? Maybe not. Maybe there's a reason Lent isn't really a confetti cannon infomercial type season. Maybe that's why our capitalist society hasn't really found a good way to exploit it outside of maybe fish fry. By its very nature, this season isn't fun or easy, but it's very true. 
It's cutting through all the noise and distraction to understand more clearly. And while that's not always easy, it can be sobering, sobering and clarifying. It certainly can be freeing to release whatever has been holding you from getting closer to God. Sometimes that's comforting. Sometimes it's more challenging or humbling. Still, in a world with a changing climate, earthquakes, wars, all types of abuses, injustices, inequities, having a moment to take a breath and turn toward God and seeing things more clearly doesn't sound too bad, does it? Outside of this space, what does that look like for you? Where are the places and spaces, the moments that give you clarity? That help you turn toward God? Maybe it's in prayer. Maybe it's in the moment while your computer's booting up at work. Maybe it's an action. Maybe it's something different for you every day. How we find ways to turn toward God, to see our relationship more clearly, are as different and unique as each of us. And as I think I made clear at the beginning, at no point should this exercise make you feel guilty. Look, we may be Christians, but we're not Christ. We won't always get it right. In fact, not unlike the Israelites in the wilderness, we'll get it wrong a lot of the time. We're wonderfully and beautifully human. We'll learn and fail and try again. We'll sin and mess things up. But we can name our mistakes. We can ask each other for forgiveness. We can ask ourselves for forgiveness. We can ask God for forgiveness. We can turn towards God. This Lent, whatever wilderness you've been slogging through, I pray you truly know that God is with you. And having faith in God may not change things. It may not bring you out of the wilderness. And you know you will be tested. But you also know you're not alone. God's family is here. However imperfect as we might humanly be, God's love and grace go with you, reside in you, and can give you courage along the way. That is true for each and every one of us. And it's true for us together as a church family as well. May you feel this love and grace and know that God is with you on this, your Lenten journey. And may we feel this love and grace. And may we know that God is with us on this Lenten journey. <laughs>